Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.30 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 28th day of September 2023, and this is episode 802 of Bitcoin, and the Circle P is open for business. And I don't know why I have, I just don't ever talk about the Beef Initiative. I should, because Texas Slim is one of, one of my good friends. I met him, you know, back in, in Canyon. He reached out to me when, back in my Twitter days. And lo and behold, it turns out that we were living, we were living within 15 miles of each other all that time. And we ended up having a good friendship. And that was, he had just written The Harvest of Deception. And me and him were strategizing about the beef initiative and what that, what that thing looks like. And of course, he ran with it like a son of a bitch. And he's done some really good work since then. Um, if you want to get some beef in a box delivered to your door, then you need to go to the Beef Initiative. And I believe, let me make sure, I want to make damn sure that it is thebeefinitiative.com. Let's see here. Let's see what I can find. Oh, no, I don't want that one. Uh, should have. I should have had this one. Hold on. Because I want to be able to send you guys to, yes, it's no, it's not thebeefinitiative.com. It is beefinitiative, all one word, dot com. That's beefinitiative.com. And you can shop for beef boxes. Like you can get, you can get beef boxes directly from a couple of different local cattle guys. Right now, you can get them for K&C Cattle down from Austin or Holy Cow Beef out of Lubbock, Texas. Both those are really good outfits. Uh, but you can just get Texas Slim Cuts, and if you shop at Texas Slim Cuts, you can get, I don't know, his Cowboy Decadence box, Texas Slim's Top Hand, Texas Slim's Burger box. But the whole reason that I'm bringing this up today is that Texas Slim has something going on that he wants you to know about, and it has nothing to do directly with selling beef boxes. Um, in fact, if I can get back to, where was it? There it is. Okay. Listen up, listen up guys. The USDA is having a conniption fit about God forbid, you know, no, no, no people buying beef from, you know, local ranchers. They do. The USDA is literally doing the following. I'm just going to read this. This is from media relations from the beef initiative and its beef initiative calls for urgent support. This was released yesterday, and uh, Texas Slim gave it to me yesterday. He uh, he texted texted it to me. But here's the actual statement: the beef initiative urgently calls 
upon members of Congress to support Representative Thomas Massey's amendments to the Rural Development Budget, also known as House Resolution 4368, H.R. 4368, out of Amarillo, Texas. As Congress works to avoid government shutdowns and appropriate funding to the rural appropriate funding to the rural development budget, which includes SNAP, WIC, and EBT, and agricultural related agencies that serve an integral role in the United States food chain, the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture, is discussing a herd share ban that would limit consumer access to nutrient dense locally grown meat harming family-owned farms. As a result, the Beef Initiative, representing small to mid-sized family-owned cattle ranches across the country, is calling upon members of Congress today to support an amendment to H.R. 4368 brought forward by Kentucky Representative Thomas Massey. Quote, Herd share is the last legal means for consumers to buy locally raised grass-fed beef directly from their nearest farm, Beef Initiative founder Texas Slim said, quote, This is the last line of defense for decentralized cattle, farm to table, and we have the science to prove the closer our food is grown to our kitchen tables, the healthier it is for our bodies and our environment. A USDA ban would not only jeopardize, jeopardize our supply chain, but it would also signal the end of rural America and the beginning of a centralized meat industry similar to the monopolistic circumstances prompting the Packers and Stockyards Act of 1921. We fully support Congressman Massey's amendment, preemptively securing America's farm-to-table supply chain, and we urgently call upon members of Congress to do the same, Slim said. Okay. This is... I... Why the USDA is doing this, I don't know. Because I haven't called the USDA on the phone and said, hey, well, what are you guys up to? But I'm going to make a presumption that they're being lobbied by gigantic meat packing facilities. There are about, there's honestly, there's four. There's like J&B, there's Tyson, there's a couple of other ones. But honestly, there's like four in, in the world. I'm not lying <laughs> there. Yes, you can find smaller meat packers, but when you want to get to the great guts and feathers of the majority of meat shipped around the world, you're looking at four guys and it looks like they don't want any competition. So they're lobbying Congress to make sure that the small ranchers are just, you know, just, they, just shoot them in the back of the head. Just get rid of them. Go ahead and clean their clocks and let's get all this done so that nobody is competing with us ever. What does that mean for you? Well, it means that if this passes, then I can only hope that states on an individual basis will tell the federal government, we're not going to do that. Our state ranchers are going to be able to sell, you know, at least inside their state because the federal government, they have, they have complete control over what goes over state borders, right? Intra or interstate travel or interstate shipping is definitely within the purview of the federal government. But what is not is intrastate. So Austin beef guys selling stuff to Lubbock, Lubbock beef guys selling stuff to Houston. The federal government technically under the Constitution has no say in what goes on with that. But 
we'll have to see. But if whatever for whatever reason, this puts everybody in jeopardy. If you have been buying meat from a local person, well, it's going to make it a damn more sight difficult to be able to do that. So if you're the kind of person that likes to call their senator, or in this case, basically, you definitely want to be getting a hold of your, you know, your representative for your state. If you're the kind of person that likes to do that, I highly recommend that you bend their ear about H.R. 4368. Again, that is House Resolution 4368. Uh, we need the amendments to the rural development budget that has been introduced by represent Kentucky Representative Thomas Massey. I wish that this wasn't this kind of thing wasn't happening, but I am glad that there are people like Texas Slim who are keeping their ear to the ground on stuff like this. Otherwise, we would never really know, would we? Because if you think this is going to be represented on the Today Show or CNN or somebody on Fox Business is going to talk about this, you are wrong. You would never know about House Resolution 4368 unless it wasn't for people like Texas Slim and me telling you what Texas Slim is telling me. All right, so just bear that in mind. Speaking of the law... A judge has denied the final pre-trial request from Sam Bankman-Fried for temporary release. Why this guy is fighting so hard for temporary release makes me wonder. But Turner Wright, maybe he's got some more information on it from Cointelegraph. Former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried will remain in jail for at least until the start of his October 3rd criminal trial following an order from a federal judge. In a September 28th hearing in the New York State's District Court for the Southern District of New York, Judge Lewis Kaplan denied a motion from SBF's legal team requesting the former FTX CEO be given temporary release in order to prepare for his trial. Bankman Fried's lawyers uh, has made repeated attempts to argue for release since Kaplan revoked his bail on August the 11th due to allegations of witness intimidation. The matter twice went to an appellate court without success for SBF's team. Kaplan reportedly suggested that SBF might be a flight risk if things begin to look bleak at trial considering his age and potential prison time. Though the federal judge denied SBF an early release, he added that the former FTX CEO will have the opportunity to arrive at court early on certain days to confer with his legal team. So there you go. Yeah, he's he's still trying to get out of jail. Kid Warp, thank you for the 2.1 thousand Satoshis. I appreciate that. Big help, big help. Um, I There's something weird about his desperate need to get out of jail and his lawyer's desperate need to actually file the paperwork. That's a lot of work for the lawyers. And, and honestly, they're going to get their money either way, right? They, 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 they're going to get smoking hot monies from the, from handling this kid's trial. But I've never seen anybody try to get somebody out of jail before their trial so fiercely as SBF's legal team. And you got to ask yourself why. Man, they didn't even do this shit for John Gotti, you know, or any of the other gangsters that were on. Nobody tried to get their boys out of jail like this dude's lawyers is trying to get him out of jail and now that his parents have been dragged into it, it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder 
how many other connections to this entire FTX there are outside of what we've been told. And I'll bet you it is a wild web of politicians, media, influencer personalities, everybody that has everything to lose. I can only imagine that that is the reason why they have been trying to get him out of jail so that he or whatever, he would be much more able to somehow or another hide or disguise or warn particular people. I don't know, but this activity has been ringing bells in my head and sending up red flags since they've been trying to do it uh, in mid-August. So just take that with a grain of salt, but that's what's going on with SBF right now. Uh, Bitcoin optimism is rising in developing the, (laughs) sorry, excuse me, (laughs) got a cough here. Bitcoin optimism is rising in developing world despite price declines, according to a block survey. Nomcios for Bitcoin magazine. Digital transformation is rapidly shaping the global financial landscape. And Bitcoin, the pioneering decentralized cryptocurrency, stands tall as a symbol of this resolution. While Bitcoin's global popularity is undeniable, there's an emerging trend spotlighted in a recent survey conducted by Jack Dorsey's Block Incorporated in conjunction with Wakefield Research. Developing nations are displaying a burgeoning optimism around Bitcoin. The survey, covering 15 nations and garnering insights from 6,600 individuals, offers an intriguing snapshot of how Bitcoin perceptions are evolving. Between 2022 and 2023, Bitcoin underwent substantial price fluctuations. However, instead of being disheartened by these market dynamics, optimism about Bitcoin's future has remained higher than skepticism on average. Vietnam, Brazil, China, Mexico, they all lead the way with the biggest increases in optimism. Nigeria, India, and Argentina saw optimism subdue a bit, but still remain well above average. One of the central appeals of Bitcoin has traditionally been its potential as a lucrative investment, but the data suggests a fascinating trend. While countries with established banking systems are slowly recalibrating their investment views on Bitcoin, developing nations are increasingly viewing it as more than just a speculative asset. For these countries, Bitcoin represents a symbol of financial freedom, a hedge against economic instability, and an opportunity to leapfrog traditional banking constraints. A key highlight of the survey revolves around the close relationship between remittances, optimism, and Bitcoin engagement. Traditional remittance channels, often characterized by exorbitant fees and tedious processes, seem to put Bitcoin's value proposition as a neutral cross-border monetary network in the center stage. This, in turn, seems to be leading to an increase in recognition of Bitcoin as an effective tool for international remittances in developing countries. For context, 86.8% of adults who own Bitcoin are part of a household that regularly sends or receives remittances. And people at this intersection are much more optimistic about Bitcoin's future than those not engaged in remittances. This is evident in nations like Vietnam and India, which boast high household participation rates in the remittance economy. Stablecoins are more popular than BTC for remittances on average, but Bitcoin's proposition as a swift, transparent, and cost-effective remittance tool is gaining traction. 
Governmental regulations undeniably play a pivotal role in molding the country's cryptocurrency landscapes. But while developed nations grapple with regulatory ambiguities, the narrative is starkly different in developing countries. However, India presents an intriguing scenario. Despite regulatory uncertainties, India exhibits the highest Bitcoin ownership rate among surveyed nations. Notably, a larger percentage of Indian women own Bitcoin than men, signaling a socioeconomic shift where women are actively seeking financial empowerment. Similarly, countries like Nigeria and Vietnam, despite their varied economic challenges, are demonstrating growing enthusiasm for Bitcoin, revealing an inherent trust in its potential to address their unique financial needs. On the other end of the spectrum, countries like China, with a more stringent regulatory stance against cryptocurrency, present a contrast. Although many in China claim to know Bitcoin owners, very few said that they possess Bitcoin themselves. This divergence underscores the pivotal role of government regulation in shaping citizens' public stance on their relationship to Bitcoin, while it also reinforces the anti-fragility of the technology. Indeed, Bitcoin cannot be banned. Argentina and Brazil, two South American giants, are also showcasing a growing affinity for Bitcoin. Both countries show ownership rates higher than most countries in the survey and also net more optimism about Bitcoin than average. In Argentina, where inflationary pressure exists and persists, Bitcoin is increasingly being perceived as a protective shield against economic volatility. Brazil, meanwhile, seems to recognize Bitcoin's multifaceted potential from diversification of investment portfolios to its utility in procuring goods and services. The difference in perception between the two countries can be explained by the contrasting realities of their economies. While Brazil, South America's largest economy, has enjoyed a fairly stable fiat currency since the advent of the real in the 1990s, Argentina has for decades been plagued by hyperinflation. Brazilians can transfer reais to each other instantly for no fees through PIX, P-I-X, in a relatively stable financial system. And as a result, they see Bitcoin mostly as an investment. Argentinians, on the other hand, see Bitcoin as more trustworthy than government-backed currency. Block's comprehensive survey is a testament to the unique value proposition a global monetary network with no gatekeepers or rule makers presents to developing nations. While traditional global financial hubs continue their cautious dance around Bitcoin, developing countries driven by a mix of economic aspirations and challenges are emerging as the new vanguards of the Bitcoin revolution. Their collective sentiment stands as a powerful reminder. Bitcoin's allure is not merely in its market value, but in its transformative potential to redefine the contours of global financial inclusion. Yeah, no shit, dude. So I'm, I'm glad to see that that block is, is conducting general surveys. And this particular survey, 6,600 people is quite a cross-section. It, it, it Honestly, it's a pretty big cross-section. So what that means for me is somebody who's kind of been in the sciences for like a long time, or had a, a long, I had a long exposure to the sciences. Let's just put it that way. Um, having that much data makes it like if I would interview twenty people and ask the same questions on a survey, I'm not really going to be able to trust that. There's only twenty people. 
But when you get up into the hundreds, and God forbid, when you get up into the thousands, you really start, you're really able to say things like, this 6,600 people really do represent a cross-section of this country or these countries or this kind of population or that kind of population. I know it sounds a little, you know, I know that sounds weird, but I, without explaining it, I, what I'll do is without, let me just do it this way. Without explaining it, because it's really boring, you got to trust me. I did the work for everybody trying to understand how it is that the larger the sample size, the more trustworthy the data. You kind of got to trust me on it. All right. But 6,600 people and they're saying this about Bitcoin. I think that that's actually kind of bullish, honestly. Now, speaking of Brazil, Brazil's crypto surge prompts central bank to tighten regulation. So, yay, we just came out of the fact that we're seeing increased usage in Brazil and a complete, the kind of attitude that we see in Brazil about Bitcoin. And now the central bank people are taking note and they're running scared. David Attlee, Cointelegraph. Brazil's crypto surge prompts central bank to tighten regulation. The governor of Banco Central do Brazil, Brazil's central bank, said that the bank has noted a significant surge in crypto adoption in the country. Oh my. And intends to react by tightening the digital assets regulation. Of course. During his speech to the Parliamentary Finance and Taxation Commission on September the 27th, Roberto Campos Neto reported the rise of cryptocurrency imports by Brazilians. According to the central bank's data, imports of crypto rose by 44.2% from January to August of 2023 when compared with 2022. The total funds were about 35.9 billion Brazilian reals or about 7.4 billion United States dollars. Campos Neto separately emphasized the popularity of stable coins, which, according to him, are being used more for payments than investments. He said the bank will respond to these tendencies by tightening regulation and bringing crypto platforms under its supervision. He added that problems related to crypto could include tax evasion or illicit activities. Quote, we understand that a lot is connected to tax evasion or linked to illicit activities. Pausing to say, why is it that everybody that has any smattering of power over anybody else of their fellow citizenry automatically looks at their citizenry like they are criminals? Is it true that of all the 8 billion people on this planet, that the only people that are viewed as not a criminal are the people in power? Look at Senator Menendez. I mean, you know, I don't know. He's taking bribes. This is what disgusts me about these people is that they have nothing but contempt. And if you thought, if for any reason that somebody is actually still thinking that their government likes them, it's populated by people who actually look at the citizenry as just general criminals. How can they have any respect for their citizenry if they think everybody is a criminal? Because that's exactly what they say all the time. Oh, it's used for tax evasion. It's used to buy drugs. It's used to traffic children. 
Because that's apparently what the entirety of the world's population intends to do from the time that they are born to the time that they die, is to engage in illicit activity. And you know how many people I know that are on a daily basis engaged in anything illegal? Almost none. And I'm not talking about the fact that, yeah, on a daily basis, you might actually commit five or six felonies. And what I mean by that is that you don't even know that 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 whole statement is around basically is, is said by people who say that there are so many laws that there's no way that you can go through an entire day in this society in the West without breaking a few of them. And some of them will be felonies. Okay, I don't know about that. I'm talking about people like, you know, a neighbor or something like that. You know what what I'm pretty sure he's not doing? He's not running, he's not trafficking children out of his freaking apartment. I've known so many people in my life. And aside from buying an illegal bag of marijuana every once in a while, these people are not out to evade taxes. They're not out to commit illicit activity all the time. They're fairly moral and ethical people. And yet, and yet, and yet, we are governed by people who look at us, just the regular Joe citizenry, as criminals who engage in the most depraved acts that human beings can find to act in. And I don't understand how they could possibly have respect for the citizenry if they keep thinking that way. Let's continue. Brazil handed the central bank a primary role in crypto regulation back in June of 2023. That's just a few months ago. However, the token projects that qualify as securities continue to fall under the purview of the Comissão de Valores Mobiarios, Brazil's equivalent of the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. The Brazilian Central Bank is also working on its own digital currency, the Drex, in August It revealed the brand and logo of the central bank digital currency. In a previous controversy, Brazilian blockchain developer Pedro Magelis reportedly discovered functions in the Drex code that would allow a central authority to freeze funds or reduce balances. And that's exactly what they'll do. If they have the power to do X, they will absolutely do X. It doesn't matter. If you think, oh, well, just because it's there doesn't mean they'll use it. Yes, it does. Anybody who thinks differently is absolutely 100% fooling themselves. Now, for other people who are fooling themselves, I have to bring you this one. Gareth Jenkinson Cointelegraph, Bitcoin lender Ledin, L-E-D-N, is going to roll out ETH, and USDT interest-bearing accounts. Yeah, I'll tell you why I'm bringing this to you here in a sec. Despite its roots embedded in Bitcoin, lending platform Ledin has announced the launch of an Ether yield offering following user requests for a shielded alternative to manual staking Ether. The Cayman Islands firm has added an ETH offering to its growth account products, which currently offers users ring-fenced facilities to earn interest on Bitcoin and USD coin deposits. An announcement shared with Cointelegraph highlighted user calls for a means to earn interest from ETH holdings without having to manually stake or manage Ether through liquid staking pools. 
The lending firm also notes that its growth accounts are specifically ring-fenced from Ledin's other products and services deposited ETH is only exposed to the counterparty that generates yield off of the staked amount, which means that user deposits will remain undefected if Ledin were to go bankrupt. I'm calling BS. This is particularly pertinent given the high-profile failures of some of the cryptocurrency industry's most prominent crypto lending firms like Celsius, Voyager, Three Arrows Capital, they highlight the potential pitfalls of overextended and questionable lending practices that have plagued the industry. Lead and Chief Officer or Chief Strategy Officer Mauricio Di Bartolomo said that Ledin users have continually inquired about Ether offerings and remain confident that it would be a favorable alternative to self-managing ETH staking. Ledin also announced that it will be launching a second stablecoin growth account with users set to be able to deposit and earn interest on Tether tokens from October the 12th. These new offerings will not be available to the United States or Canadian users, of course. So that's it for that article. But this pisses me off because Ledin was one of the last, one of the, well, one of the earliest Bitcoin only companies that were doing any kind of lending whatsoever. And They were pretty solid about it. And now we get this. So here's what I predict. In a year, Ledin will be in bankruptcy because they have overextended themselves on making loans uh, to individuals, but also to other institutions. And there will probably be some commingling of funds internally between the Ledin's own money that they have and their users' money. Because it always goes this way. Nobody is immune to that. It's happened before. It will happen again. And it's most likely going to happen with Ledin. I'm not going to make any advising statements right now. But if I were you, and you were doing business with Ledin, I would think long and hard as to how long you want to keep that relationship open. Just because of this. If they had not done this, then Ledin would probably be still be rock solid. But the second, the second that they got into shit coinery and yield bearing crap, they've opened themselves up to everything that Three Arrows got opened up to, FTX, Alameda, BlockFi, you name it, dude, you name it. They've just opened themselves up to all of it. I would be very, very careful if I were you. Just saying. All right. Now, something back that's close to you know being near and dear to our own hearts here. Introducing the revolutionary LN Plus liquidity pool. And this is, well, this is from lightningnetwork.plus. Hello, dear passionate LN Plus users and Bitcoin Lightning community some time ago. Together with a few LN users, we imagined a system reminiscent of a massive and extended liquidity swap that many of you know well and use frequently, where every channel that you open and every transaction that you make is reciprocated over the long term. This isn't just a vision. It's the foundation behind the LN plus liquidity pool. Just as liquidity swaps allow for short-term reciprocity, our new system promotes long-term cooperation across the entire network. It's like the traditional concept of liquidity swaps, but on a grander and more prolonged scale. 
At LN Plus, we're always looking for ways to up our game. We know the hurdles Bitcoin Lightning Network node operators face, and while we've got great solutions ready, we're all about finding even better ones. So get ready. Opening the LN Plus liquidity pool. If you have a Bitcoin Lightning node and you want to get incoming capacity, you can join our liquidity pool. In order to join, you have to buy or earn liquidity credits. I'm not all that I'm not all that excited about their own token, but hey, we'll go on. Once you're in the pool, nodes will open channels to you in return for those credits. You have full control over whom you open and who opens to you. We will give you instructions all throughout the process to make it easy. You can monitor the status of the liquidity credit flow in your private section of your particular profile page. So, how do you dive into the LN Plus liquidity pool? First, you log in with your Lightning node to LN Plus using a signed signature. You optionally purchase liquidity credits and fast forward to step seven. Otherwise, proceed to step three. <clears throat> Let's just go to step seven. Once you've gathered some credits, other nodes will approach you with their channel own opening offers. It's your call, accept or decline as you deem fit. After accepting an offer, wait for a channel to be opened towards you by another node. The cost of the new channel will be covered by your liquidity credits over the subsequent 50 days. So why should you even consider this? Fluidity. No strict time frame constraints for opening and receiving channels. Flexibility. Tailored channel sizes. Inclusivity. Beginners and merchants can easily integrate with the community by buying liquidity credits. Control. You decide your channel partners, both for opening and receiving. Cost effectiveness. Earn liquidity credits just by opening channels. Stay active within the pool and you can maintain a profitable node without adding costs or needing to ever loop out to establish incoming liquidity. All right, so that's basically what's going on here is that you can join a pool and get incoming liquidity. My only problem with this is the fact that there's some kind of external token or quote-unquote liquidity credit that seems to be required for this. And while I may not like something, that doesn't mean that it might not have extreme utility. I have not played with this yet, but it does solve a general standing problem of if you start a lightning node, how in the hell do you get incoming liquidity and LN plus liquidity pool seems to be solving that. We will have to see. Hey, let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. I got West Texas Intermediate Oil is down 2.16% to $91.66 a barrel. Britain North Sea likewise down 1.5% to $95.03. Natural gas is up one and a quarter to $2.93 per thousand. And gasoline is down over three full points to $2.51. And I have no idea what happened in the energy markets, but that seems a little weird. Gold is not having a good day. Uh, down three, no, two thirds of a point to eighteen seventy eight and fifty cents. Silver is down scant to twenty two seventy one. Platinum is up over two points. Copper is up almost two points. Palladium is up well over full four. Hold on, full four points. Four point two three percent to the upside. 
Uh, ag is fully mixed. Biggest winner today is going to be sugar, 2.39% to the upside. Biggest loser is coffee, one and a half to the down. I got live cattle is up 1.13%. Lean hogs are up 3.74%. And feeder cattle are up 1.16%. The Dow is up 0.17%. S&P is up almost a half. NASDAQ is up well over a half. And the S&P mini is up almost a full point. Real money is kind of up a little bit too, $27,141.95. Average transaction values are 0.57 BTC. Median transaction values are 186 bucks. Block times are really low, 9 minutes and 7 seconds. 0.19 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 31 and a quarter taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours with a 7.27% increase in hash rate. We are at 436.8 exahashes per second, according to bitinfocharts.com. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin, 6.1 United States pennies, and it shouldn't be worth a single one. $530.5 billion is the market cap of Bitcoin. That is 4.19% of gold's entire market cap. And you can purchase 14 and a half ounces of shiny metal rocks if you so choose with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,498,343 and 4,400 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $119.7 million, run over 15,423 nodes sporting 64,166 payment channels and 81.1% of all of it's being run over Tor. Looks like we've got a, a, some pressure release in mempools around the world. We're almost sub 100 blocks carrying a measly 206,000 transactions waiting to clear. Uh, high priority transactions going to cost you 11 Satoshis per VByte. Low priorities go for nine and anything under three well, we'll call it 2.8 Satoshis per V-byte are going to be purged from mempools around the world. Uh, mempool.space hash rate is flashing 472.6 exahashes per second. So there you go. I am in the top 10 again today. And from, yeah, it's because of people like Fatoshi with 21,022 Satoshi says, congrats on cutting the booze. Here's to the struggle. Yeah, no shit, dude. Fatoshi with 21,021 sat says, there shall be no boost before me sending a truckload of love. <laughs> and I got it. It's received, Fatoshi. Your love has been received. Letter 6173 with a striper boost. 7777 says, pro tip, listen to Anons on Fountain and Noster more than your own government. Agreed. Aceris underscore BTC with 2718 says, I had to listen due to the discussion about the speed up. And actually, episode 801 song was not all that bad at 3X. <laughs> on Fountain, anyway. God's Death. 1500 says, thank you, sir. Congrats on 800 and 801. Dubrovko with 1660. No, not 16. With 1160 says, the Puto music for episode 800 at 1.75X speed. Sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks were, you know... Uh, what does it say? Orange pilling. Ah. Normally, I regularly speed up the music, but I liked it too much. Oh, wait a minute. I regular the speed. For, I regular the speed for the music, but I liked it too much. Dubrov, not sure what you're saying, but you know what? I'm sure you're a good guy. Uh, Black Card Biz with 521 says, all sats matter. All sats matter.com. 
<laughs> pies with a hundred. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use five lowlights from Gary Gensler's evasive testimony before Congress, which occurred yesterday. Uh, this is written by Braden Lindria for Cointelegraph. Blamed for kneecapping capital markets, the United States, and slammed for dodging questions around Bitcoin and Pokemon cards, Securities and Exchange Commission uh, Commissioner Gary Gensler appeared to have had one hell of a grilling from Congress this week. Yesterday, September the 27th, the United States SEC chief again found himself in front of lawmakers in a scheduled hearing to discuss his agency's oversight of the markets. Here are some of the highlights or lowlights. Quote, you are the Tanya Harding of securities regulations. End quote. And if you know who Tanya Harding is, that's pretty harsh. One of the more Colorful analogies came from United States Rep. Andy Barr, who accused Gensler of kneecapping the United States capital markets with regulatory red tape. Barr referred to an old testimony from Gensler where Gensler argued that the United States is the largest, most sophisticated and innovative capital market in the world and that it shouldn't be taken for granted even or as even gold medalist must keep training. With all due respect, Mr. Chairman, if the United States capital markets are a gold medalist, then you are the Tanya Harding of securities regulations. You are kneecapping the United States capital markets with the avalanche of red tape coming out of your commission, said Barr. Barr is presumably referring to a scandal where United States ice skater Tanya Harding hired an assailant to attack her rival, Nancy Kerrigan in the lead up to the 1994 United States figure skating championships and the winter Olympics. Kerrigan ended up not competing in the United States championships. Quote, I wish the Biden administration would say you're fired in quote. Damn. Meanwhile, representative Warren Davidson also ripped into Gensler saying he hoped the Biden administration would fire him. Davidson accused Gensler of pushing a woke political and social agenda and for abusing his role as SEC chairman. The United States representative added that he hopes the SEC Stabilization Act he introduced with fellow representative Tom Emmer could make that happen. Quote, you're making the case for the bill, the SEC Stabilization Act, every day that you remain acting as the chairman, he concluded. Gensler wasn't given a chance to respond. Asked by House Committee on Financial Services Chair Patrick McHenry whether Bitcoin is a security, Gensler eventually relented, stating that Bitcoin did not meet the Howey test. Quote, it does not meet the Howey test, which is the law of the land, Gensler said, implying that Bitcoin is not a security. McHenry then suggested Bitcoin must be a commodity, which Gensler avoided answering, saying the test is that it is outside the scope of United States securities laws. Henry also suggested Gensler tried to choke off the digital asset ecosystem and refused to be transparent with Congress about the SEC's connections with FTX and its former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. <coughs> Gensler also was not given the chance to respond to the claims made by McHenry. 
Then, Representative Richie Torres used his time to quiz Gensler about his interpretation of what constitutes an investment contract. Torres put Gensler to the test by asking whether purchasing a physical Pokemon trading card constitutes a securities transaction. Quote, suppose I was to purchase a Pokemon card. Would doing so constitute a security transaction? End quote. Gensler responded, I don't know what the context is. End quote. Before eventually concluding that it isn't a security if it is purchased in a store. Oh my God. Taurus then asked, quote, if I were to purchase a tokenized Pokemon card on a digital exchange via a blockchain, is that a security transaction? Quote, I'd have to know more, replied Gensler. Gensler then explained that it's when the investing public can anticipate profits based upon the efforts of others. That's the core of the Howey test. Torres called Gensler's evasions as deafening and damning. Meanwhile, among the back-and-forth cross-examinations between Gensler and representatives, eagle-eyed observers noticed a Coinbase stand with crypto logo behind the SEC chair. (laughs) (laughs) The Coinbase-led initiative is a 14-month-long campaign that launched in August. It aims to push for cryptocurrency legislation in the United States. So there you go. And yes, indeed, that shows the picture, Miss Teen Crypto, at Miss Teen Crypto on Twitter, says a breaking Coinbase stand with crypto logo displayed at Gary Gensler hearing. And sure enough, in the top right-hand corner of a picture that she posted, which has Gary Gensler square in the middle, at the very top right-hand side, you can see the logo of the stand with crypto from Coinbase. And it's on a phone being held by some dude's hand, reminiscent of the buy Bitcoin sign, buy Bitcoin sign guy that was behind... uh, Oh, God, what's her face? Uh, Janet Yellen in the now famous photo, the buy Bitcoin famous photo. I think it's hilarious. It's great. But yeah, Gary Gensler got his ass handed to him, didn't he? And honestly, how many times do you have to get your butt handed to you? Because it's not like this is the first time that this has happened to Gary. Gary is always basically, he's had his head on the chopping block in front of all of these committees for so long. I can't even remember when somebody first said that Gary Gensler needs to be fired, but it's been months at least, if not well over a year. So there he goes again. He's getting like just popped left and right by all these dudes at the house representatives, uh, finance committee. Now this is, One of the coolest things that I've ever seen. Prisms and boosts. What the hell? If you've been wondering what the hell this, uh, the, what is it? Cash tag boost or cash tag prism that you've been seeing on Noster and you don't know what it is. I'm about to explain it to you. Yesterday, a guy named Bob wrote the following. I'm excited to announce the launch of Cash Tag Prism. That's dollar sign P-R-I-S-M. Noster is many things. But most importantly, I believe that Noster is Bitcoin's first layer three technology. Bitcoin solves money. Lightning solves payments. And Noster solves identity and coordination. Similar to the Bitcoin and Lightning protocols, the Nostra protocol is permissionless and decentralized. Nostra solves identity using a simple public key that works for, across any client. 
Noster solves coordination by directly connecting Lightning wallets without intermediaries via Noster Wallet Connect and Lightning addresses, or ideally a future Noster native equivalent. There will be many incredible Bitcoin experiences built with Noster. We are making prisms. Lightning prisms without Noster are hard to coordinate and execute. It requires figuring out each address, a way to coordinate payout amounts, and someone taking custody of Bitcoin for a period of time to manage said payouts. So we've seen almost no one making prisms. Now with Noster, they are incredibly easy. Want to create a prism on Noster right now? Try Cashtag Boost, B-O-O-S-T. Just type it into the text of your next post on any client and we'll make a prism with the first 10 people that repost it. We'll post the prism on at prism posts and you can zap it with any client that supports zap splits like snort.social or amethyst. Want to limit your prism to a smaller group of people? Then create a list on lister.lol like hashtag friends and then type hashtag boost and then hashtag friends. That will only create a prism with users that boost your posts that are also on your hashtag friends list. With Noster Wallet Connect, payments all complete wallet to wallet, no intermediary necessary, and we never touch your Bitcoin. The possibilities are now endless for building new consumer experiences on top of Lightning and Bitcoin. We started Cashtag Prism to push forward the Bitcoin experience on Noster. We'll be launching more Prism products over the coming days. Follow at Cashtag Prism or go to MakePrisms.com. That's MakePrisms, all one word, dot com to learn more. A special thanks to Goodenough, who had been early thought partner and the first contributor to Cashtag Prism and Bitcoin Pleb Dev, who is our newest contributor. So it took me a while to figure this one out. Um, you can drop, like you put in the dollar sign and boost. And after that, put in, you know, whatever you want. All right. It's just like any note that you send, you just, if you put in, if you drop in there somewhere and it doesn't matter, it could be at the top, it could be right in the middle of the text. It could be at the end. It doesn't matter where it is. You drop cash tag boost into that. And it is now making your kind one note boost enabled, or at least prism enabled. What does it mean? Okay. So I put out a test uh, like uh, last night or early this morning, and I basically just, you know, re, re-upped, or I made another kind one note that had a link to uh, episode 801 from Fountain uh, Podcast uh, yesterday of the Bitcoin and show. In there, I put in hashtag boost. After 10 people boosted, or not boosted, after 10 people, um, what were they, um, I resent the note. You know, they, they didn't reply to it. They re-noted it. Uh, and I can't even remember what the hell that was called on Twitter because it's been so long since I've been over there. Uh, but they sent that note back out. Uh, repost. Yeah, there we go. They reposted that note. Prism, because, it had, because that note had boost in it, or the hashtag boost, Prism 
was now aware of that particular note and was keeping track of it. And after 10 people reposted that note, it became PRISM eligible. What does that mean? That means that now, because 10 people reposted that note, any zaps that go to that note are split evenly amongst the first 10 people that reposted that note. If the 11th, if you're the 11th person that reposted a note, you're not getting any of the zap splits. So now my reach has just gotten bigger and I don't get to control how much you get. Any of those zap, any of the zaps coming to that note are going to be equally split. At least that's what how that I'm I'm thinking about it. I can also, as myself, as a thank you to the people that reposted that note, I can go and zap that prism. The it, I know it's very difficult to understand. You need to play with it yourself. The best way to learn how to do something is to just write a note, put hashtag boost in it. And then I'll try to help if you put in like at none your business in that note to alert me that you're trying to figure out how to do this. If I see it, and I most likely will, I will repost that note. And then if you get 10 reposts, then it will unlock the prism aspect of it. And then you can start figuring out what the hell that meant. And I had to do the same thing. There was no real good explanation as to exactly what steps have to happen, what steps you have to take to be able to do this. But it starts by putting cash tag boost into a note that you want people to repost for you. If 10 people do, it unlocks a prism. After the prism is unlocked, all zaps to that prism are then shared by the people helped repost your original note. The only way to really see it in action and understand it better than I can explain it is for you to do it yourself. Put at Nunya Bidness into the note along with cash tag boost and I will try to help you get this thing boosted so that you can unlock the prism portion of what's going on. But honestly, this make, remember Walker and Zapvertising? before Apple crushed the whole zapper thing in Domus and how effective it was. I, I, I saw it being very effective just for me. I also saw it being effective for other people. But when, when Apple did pull their stunt and crushed a lot of people's, you know, innate ability to zap people, now you got to run a script and some people are just not doing that. So I've noticed that zap, there's not as many zaps as there used to be, but this one, this one just operates in the background. It helps people get their the word out. There's a couple of ex- other examples that I could use, but we are running out of time, so I won't. But please, please, please do not sleep on cash tag boost. The one thing that you that has to happen, however, keep this in mind, is that it is I can send, I can enable a boost or a, uh, I can actuate a prism by putting cash tag boost into a note from any client I want, but I have to have like either snort.social or amethyst to be able to enable the other side of the prism unlocking like it or, or 
anybody can like, you know, anybody can repost that note from any client. But if you want to zap the prism that occurs after the note has been boot or has been well boosted 10 times or reposted 10 times to zap that prism, you've got to use snort.social or amethyst or something like that. Um, I, I, does it actually say here? Uh, let me go to uh, makeprisms.com and see. Is like, yeah. Uh, zap the prism with any client that supports paying zap splits, such as snort.social, amethyst, and zapper.nosterapps.org. That's snort.social, amethyst, and zapper.nosterapps.org. If you don't know what a prism is, okay, because it, it, that maybe you may be hanging up on prism. Dergigi wrote the the entire outline of of what he thinks prisms are. He's the one that introduced the word Dergigi, G I G I. If you have not read any of Dergigi's stuff, I highly recommend that you start with prisms. You can just just type in D E R space G I G I and prisms, and you'll find it i promise you you will not it will not escape your your uh it will not escape you please go read it and it will define what a prism is but basically it's splitting a boost or a zap or something like that that you get amongst several other people that you don't actually have to do anything with you just set it and forget it and if anybody zaps you or boosts you or does whatever on a prism enabled thing then anybody who ever zaps that thing after you set it up, you ain't got to worry about it. It's all set on autopilot and five other people or 15 other people or 50 other people will share in whatever Satoshis that thing gets from then on. All right. Let's go to Burger Boy down in Mexico. The law must evolve to make CBDCs possible, says BIS Chief. This is from Andrew Thorvalis out of Decrypt.co. Outdated legal frameworks are holding the world back from issuing much-needed central bank digital currencies, according to Augustin Karstens, the general manager of the Bank of International Settlements, known as the BIS. During a speech in Switzerland on Wednesday, the banking chief extolled the benefits that CBDCs could provide the global economy while pleading with world leaders to evolve their laws to accommodate them. I'm pausing to say that the one of the world's most powerful men is begging world governments to enable CBDCs. What does that tell you? Quote, people want their money to be digital and programmable, explained Karstens. They want to be able to transfer it across borders quickly, cheaply, and safely, end quote. While private market cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin feature both digitally and programmability, The BIS chief said such currencies can't be money without the backing and protection of a central bank, among other things. Stablecoins also fail to meet the bill in his view since their stability cannot be guaranteed. Indeed, leading stablecoins like Circle's USDC have lost their peg to the dollar as recently as this year. And last year, Terra Luna's UST stablecoin collapsed completely. By contrast, Karstens claimed that wholesale CBDCs used by the banking system have vast potential in the areas of automation and risk mitigation, while retail CBDCs could deepen financial inclusion and make cross-border payments faster and cheaper. Quote, a retail CBDC could exist alongside cash, offering the public a digital alternative to banknotes and coins, he added. Back in 2021, 
The International Monetary Fund found that nearly 80% of central banks are either legally barred from issuing CBDCs, thank God, or are governed by unclear laws on the matter. Quote, It is simply unacceptable that unclear or outdated legal frameworks could hinder their deployment. The work to address these issues need to begin in earnest, and it needs to proceed at pace. Carstens said a CPMI survey last year found that 93% of central banks are already working on slave coins. I mean, CBDCs in some capacity or another with more than half working on a pilot or engaged in concrete experiments as with digital assets writ large support for CBDCs runs down partisan lines in United States Congress, but counter to the way that parties have embraced cryptocurrencies. Democrats are more open-minded to their deployment, while Republicans want them banned entirely. The latter party largely views CBDCs as a state surveillance tool that will be used to track citizens' everyday purchases. In his speech, Karstens asserted that legal frameworks on CBDCs must focus on privacy as a core element. Karstens clarified that it is ultimately up to each jurisdiction to decide whether CBDC issuance is appropriate. Quote, it would be unfortunate if we ended up with a fragmented system and legal framework in which different digital currencies don't interoperate, he concluded. Yeah, it's a nice looking house. Be a shame if something happened to it, wouldn't it? It Sounds like a threat. The biggest man, and when I mean biggest man, I'm. have you ever seen Augustin Karstens? He is the Burgermeister. He's the Burgermeister. This dude is huge. It's like an apple on toothpicks. It's just, and he's, he's a Mexican guy. He's not Swiss. He's not, you know, he's not from the Netherlands. He's, 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 he's from Mexico. And he's the BIS guy. He was raised in the Western Hemisphere. He's over there in in Europe now, basically calling the shots at BIS. And he wants, nay demands, that central banks open their doors wide to the notion of a CBDC. Why do you think he wants that? Do you think he wants that because of anything that he told you in this story? No. He... And the rest of these jamokes, they want control. Full, 100%, and utter, unceasing, never-ending control over you. Because you are scum of the earth. We've already seen instance after instance after instance of the most powerful people on the planet looking at their citizenry as people who just want to evade taxes, smuggle children to the sex dens of people in other countries, do drugs all day long, and anything else of depraved nature. They've demonstrated their contempt for the citizenry of the world again and again and again and again. And yet people closest to you will look at somebody like Augustine Carsons and say, he's just trying to help. Who? Who's Augustine Carsons trying to help? Is it somebody that you want to see helped? Is it somebody in your opinion that you think needs help? No. None of the people that Augustine Carsons knows needs any help at all. All right, let's do this one. You'll activate the covenants and you'll like it. 
from Shinobi Bitcoin Magazine. It's been two years since the last upgrade to Bitcoin. Taproot activated and went live on the network. Since then, there's been a proliferation of proposed changes for the next upgrade to the protocol, and they seem to keep piling up faster than people can keep up with. These proposals mostly fall into a single category of change. Covenants. The basic purpose of a covenant is to fundamentally change how script restricts Bitcoin spending. Currently, a script in a UTXO can only control or limit how that currently existing UTXO can be spent. The design goal of a covenant is to extend that restriction so that the script in the currently existing UTXO can restrict how future UTXOs not yet created can be spent. I myself have voiced concerns in the past about the risks of enabling covenants, but came to the conclusion that those initial concerns were way overblown. I still think there are negative consequences that could potentially come from covenants that enable too many restrictions on future UTXOs, but those concerns are mostly rooted in potential incentive changes, not the abuse of covenants themselves or to censor people. Here's the kicker, though. We absolutely need some form of covenants for the scaling direction we have gone in to really work in the long term. Systems like Lightning are all built around pre-signed transactions being used to restrict the spending conditions of future UTXOs, but this can be very limiting. Changing the state of a Lightning channel with just two people in it is straightforward and just requires a few transactions being signed. The balance change, any new HTLCs or contracts, and a few transactions to handle those. However, the number of transactions you need to sign starts growing for the more complicated the thing you are trying to do is. For example, involve more than two people in a channel. Think about penalties. Right now, one person just penalizes the other person. It's real simple. The cheating party loses all their money and the, to the single party being cheated. How does this work with three people in a channel? It's no longer a matter of everything going to one person. The right amount has to go to every other person being cheated, and the right amount changes each time the channel updates. So every time the channel state changes, you have to sign or create in some way transactions that will penalize every single old channel state while ensuring the money goes to the other participants correctly matching the current state balances. And you somehow, somehow have to make sure that only the most recent penalty can be used. Otherwise, old ones made with different channel states won't distribute the money properly after someone tries to cheat. Imagine having to sign all of that growing set of transactions every time you update a channel. It's totally unscalable. If you could even find out a way to make it logically work in the first place, SIG hash any prev out or APO enables a solution to this through L2, allowing people to simply replace old states with the current one instead of penalizing people. Similar issues occur when you try or when you consider trying to handle on-chain enforcement of things. If you pack 10 people into a single channel, What happens when one doesn't respond? You have to close the entire thing out on-chain and stop everyone from continuing to update things off-chain. Proposals like op, uh, hold on, op, tap, leaf, update, 
E-Verify? I think that's what it is. And op underscore evict would offer a way for a single user to exit from a channel non-cooperatively without closing it for everyone else or for everyone except one unresponsive person to eject that offline party efficiently and keep the channel open for themselves. Long chains of pre-signed transactions can commit to individual payments occurring, channels being opened, etc. ahead of time. In order to be trusted, though, the chain of transactions has to start from a multi-sig address where you are a key holder. Otherwise, whatever is being committed to can be double-spent and voided. This necessitates a long setup phase of creating the multi-sig, everyone having to be online to sign everything, and then finally funding it. OpCheck Template Verify, or CTV, allows that to be done trustlessly without having to participate in long, complicated setup phases. Everywhere we look and find problems or points of frictions in making Lightning and other off-chain protocols work, some basic covenant proposals can elegantly address the problems. There are plenty of them, too. Op Evict, Op TX Hash, Op Cat, Op Vault, Op Unvault, TX underscore Hash plus CSFF or CSFS, template key, SIG hash any prev out, op check template verify, check SIG from stack, tap leaf update verify, they're all there. I would not be shocked if I'm missing some either. Some of these proposals or derivatives or new ones not yet thought of are going to be necessary in order to continue scaling Bitcoin. There's no way around that. Either we accept the limitations of Bitcoin as it is now, or we improve it to address those limitations. So, we're going to do the same thing as the last straw man. What are your thoughts on covenants? Do you have any specific proposals you think might be interesting or useful? Any thoughts on what could be built or what problems can be solved using them? Are there things you don't understand about them? How they work? What they're useful for? What the risks and downsides are? Let's hear it. His DMs are open and you can always email him at opinion at bitcoinmagazine.com. All right, so there you go. There's the, the issue of covenants. And think of a covenant like this. If you didn't understand that, think of a covenant like this. Let's go to a housing covenant. In Lubbock, Texas, there are covenants that govern what can be done to houses. And one of the most interesting things about Lubbock, Texas, at least inside the city limits, there's no basements. We have deep, we have deep, deep, or well, not we, I don't live there anymore, but we did. I, when I did live there, Lubbock had deep, deep, uh, topsoil. It wasn't like it didn't have, uh, basements in Lubbock because you hit like, I don't know, granite four inches down. That would definitely preclude a whole bunch of houses having basements. That's not, that's not the issue in the Great Plains. Deep, deep Tapsoils are everywhere, east of the Rocky Mountains, all the way to the Appalachians is pretty much the deepest topsoils you can get, save a few places like oh, north of Fort Worth, there's some escarpment there, you know, and then down down towards uh, Midland, Texas, and, and down south of that, you get into some really eroded shit, and it's not really great topsoil, but in Lubbock, you could, it's not, not impossible. Why doesn't anyone have basements in Lubbock? Because there was a covenant. It said, you can build a house 
but you cannot build a basement. The reason for the covenant was because people were running from what I understand. Now, I don't know if this is true because I, I, but this is everything that I've heard from like multiple people. People were running, either running and hiding slaves or they were doing something else and they were using basements for it. So covenants were made to restrict the building of any new construction of basements in Lubbock, Texas, because apparently it was widespread that people were using it to house slaves. Either they were running them or they were housing them as their own slaves. It doesn't really matter. They just wanted people not to be living in somebody's basement is what it boiled down to. So there was a covenant. So I make a spend, like I give you, like you say, you know what? I want to sell you my guitar. And I say, great, I want to buy your guitar. I'm going to send you Bitcoin. But I put a covenant on that that says you can't use this Bitcoin once you have it for anything other than buying an amplifier, a guitar amplifier. Well, did you agree to that? Well, no. It's not that simple. The covenants that Shinobi's talking about ain't that simple. But that's kind of what we're talking about, is my ability to impose my thoughts on the future use of a Bitcoin transaction after it leaves my hands. See how that works? So I could say, like, let's say the United States Internal Revenue Service decided to start taking Bitcoin for taxes. I go, okay. So I send a Bitcoin for taxes. I know you shouldn't do that, but I'm just, bear with me. And I put a covenant on it that says you cannot use this to drop bombs on brown people. And you cannot use this to restrict the Second Amendment. And you cannot use this to do any one of number of things. And if they accept that UTXO as is, well, that covenant would still be there. I could actually put a covenant on there that said that uh, an added covenant on there that says you also can't actually trade this for cash. Now, will it work? Well, we're getting beyond the scope of the discussion. We're talking about just theory. Just assume that it does work. So they say, you know what? We can't give this to the military industrial complex. We can't, we can't, um, you know, we can't use it to do X, Y, and Z. We've got this Bitcoin that we got from, you know, Mr. Bennett over here. We're the IRS and we got to give it to like, you know, some of these departments. I know what we'll do. We'll, ca- we'll, we'll turn it into United States dollars and then we'll do whatever the hell we want to with it. And then all of a sudden they go to trade that in for cash and the covenant says, no, I know what you're doing. You're not getting cash for this. And they're forced to hold it in Bitcoin. Again, this is purely theoretical what I'm suggesting because it won't actually work that way. But that's what this covenant business is talking about. So I hope you found that useful. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, it's Thursday. It's uh, Dad Says Jokes Day. What word in the English dictionary is always spelled wrong? Wrong. Get it? It's always spelled wrong. All right, what? whatever. Uh, if you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Send me Boostergrams, stream me Satoshis, do all the things. 
Check out the boost, the cash tag boosting on Noster. Um, if you haven't used snort.social, it's one of the ones that's boost activated. Just go give it a shot. Go give it a shot. See what happens. If you don't understand how it's working, ask somebody else. You can ask me if I can't get to you, ask somebody else and they'll try to, we're, we're all going to learn here. Okay. Because this is, this thing is of high utility. And I highly recommend that you do not sleep on cash tag boost. Learn how to use it. I'm going to be using it from now on. And I will see you on the other side. It's a lonely open road. I fall asleep. It's a matter of myself. Just a matter of
I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.